As the U.S. empire faces systemic crisis around the world, in the proxy war in Ukraine, in the new Cold War with China, with the energy crisis and the economic problems going on around the world, we also see that Latin America is becoming increasingly independent of U.S. hegemony. Latin America is a region that has been dominated by U.S. imperialism for about 200 years, going back to the Monroe Doctrine. And next year, 2023, is the 200th anniversary of that colonialist doctrine. But at the same time, we see that Latin America is becoming completely independent. And most of the governments in the region now are led or are about to be led by left-wing anti-imperialist leaders. And I'm not only talking about the historic electoral victory of Lula da Silva in Brazil, but also we see for the first time ever, Colombia has a left-wing president, Gustavo Petro, and he has exceeded many people's expectations. And not only has he criticized the United States for destabilizing the global economy, but he also has normalized relations with his neighbor, Venezuela. And on November 1st, Colombian President Petro took a historic trip to Caracas, the capital of Venezuela, and he met with the elected president, Nicolas Maduro, in a blatant opposition, in a blatant act of protest against the United States. In 2019, the U.S. government initiated a very violent coup attempt against Venezuela's elected leftist government, and the U.S. handpicked a puppet, Juan Guaido, a little-known opposition leader, as so-called interim president, despite the fact that Guaido never participated in a presidential election. And still today, the Trump administration started that, and still today, Joe Biden recognizes Guaido as fake president of Venezuela, even though you can count the number of countries on one hand that still recognize Guaido. It's like the U.S. and Canada and almost no one else. Not even Europe recognizes Guaido anymore. And the most important U.S. ally in that coup attempt against Venezuela was Colombia and the then right-wing government of President Ivan Duque. That is no longer the case at all. We just saw that the new left-wing president of Colombia took a trip to Venezuela. And not only did he recognize Maduro as the real elected president of Venezuela, but he also pledged to unify both countries in the spirit of the anti-imperialist leader, Simón Bolívar. And Petro said it is suicidal to divide the two countries because Venezuela and Colombia are one people. He said, we are one people. This was an incredible symbolic act, and I really can't overstate the, the political importance of this. Not only does it show Colombia, which Hugo Chavez, the former Venezuelan president, had referred to as the Israel of Latin America, it was basically a U.S. colony for decades with multiple U.S. military bases. Not only has Petro challenged the U.S. coup attempt in Venezuela and said that he's completely against it, not only has he normalized relations with Venezuela and recognized Maduro, but he's also said that Venezuela and Colombia are part of one nation. They are brothers. They are unifying. They are Bolivarians. This is truly a revolutionary development. And of course, it's not getting much coverage in the English language media, which is why I did a report about this over at multipolarista.com. I'll link to it in the description below. And I just want to go over this historic visit and talk about some of the main 
takeaways. Because again, unless you speak Spanish, you're probably not going to see much coverage of this. This is a tweet from Venezuelan President Maduro. And this, is, this photo is extremely important symbolically. It shows Maduro with Colombia's President Petro standing in front of a giant portrait of Simón Bolívar. Who is Bolívar? He was the revolutionary general who led an armed, a successful armed uprising against Spanish colonialism in the 19th century, overthrowing the colonial Spanish regimes and establishing multiple modern states in South America, including modern-day Venezuela, Colombia, and Bolivia. Bolivia is named after Simón Bolívar. That's why the Venezuelan Revolution, launched by Hugo Chávez, continued today by Maduro, is called the Bolivarian Revolution. It doesn't mean Bolivia, as in the country of Bolivia. It means Bolivarian, as in Simón Bolívar. So Petro himself, the Colombian president, he comes from, historically, he was part, when he was young, he was part of a revolutionary armed socialist guerrilla group called the M19 movement. And that was a Bolivarian socialist movement. That is a socialist anti-imperialist group that wanted to unify Latin America following the anti-imperialist model of Simón Bolívar. So this is an incredibly symbolic example of Venezuela and Colombia saying that they are following in the spirit of Simón Bolívar. And you can see many different photos and statements published by Maduro on his Twitter account. There's another tweet here in which Maduro announces that Colombia and Venezuela signed a joint declaration. You can see another photo of Petro Maduro standing in, in front of a large portrait of Simón Bolívar. And Maduro said their goal is to increase the well-being and development of both peoples and push for integration and strengthening of the relations of brotherhood and understanding between our countries. Now, I'm going to come back to this joint declaration in one second because it's very important to look at what they were discussing. Now, these are all of the tweets from Maduro. We can also look at the tweets from Petro. Petro shared photos and video of his meeting, and one of these clips is incredible. In this clip, the Colombian president says that it is not natural, in more human terms, it is anti-historical that Colombia and Venezuela are separated because we are the same people. This is an incredible statement. The Colombian president said that Venezuela and Colombia are the same people. It shows this Bolivarian attitude, which is extremely revolutionary. And it, it's anathema to everything that U.S. imperialism stands for. Washington has used Colombia as its, as its weapon, as its imperial weapon, to attack all progressive forces in Latin America for decades, not just for a few years, going back to the, well into the early 20th century. Because, again, Colombia has never had a left-wing president. It has had many leftist politicians over the years, and many of them were, they were murdered. They were assassinated. Their political parties were drowned in blood in Colombia, with U.S. backing, by the way, especially during Plan Colombia, in which the U.S. flooded Colombia with billions of dollars to fund these right-wing death squads and paramilitary groups that have massacred labor organizers, union activists, Afro-Colombians, indigenous peoples. So in addition, uh, Petro, the Colombian president, called for Venezuela to be reintegrated into 
regional institutions. And he said that one of the very important things is reopening the border. Now, this is a complicated issue. The border between Venezuela and Colombia is over 2,000 kilometers, and it was closed in 2015, so seven years ago, by the right-wing Colombian government at the time of Juan Manuel Santos. And then what happened is it was briefly reopened in 2016 and then closed again, and it was closed up until September 26th of this year, 2022. And one of the main reasons that they wanted to reopen the border is because of the importance of trade between the two countries, of course, their neighbors. And again, this is we're talking about over 2,200 kilometer border. And in his presentation in Caracas, uh, President Petro said, here we are re restarting down a path which is difficult, because, but we have to go down it. He said, that path begins with rebuilding the border. The border is in the hands of mafias. That's a very important part, and that leads me to the joint declaration that was signed between these two countries. So the issue of the border is very important, and it's one of the points that is mentioned in the joint declaration that was signed between Venezuela and Colombia. I'm going to read part of it. It's, it's two pages. I'm not going to read every single line i have a translation in the in the article that i published and i have that linked in the description below but i'm just going to read a few lines from this because it shows how powerful this joint declaration is venezuela and colombia pledged to move toward the union and peace of our countries as our liberators did in the same patriotic emancipatory achievement and maduro and petro they wrote in this joint statement, that they are, quote, inspired by the historical legacy of union and the spirit of fraternity that we inherited from the father liberator, Simon Bolivar, and the brotherhood of our peoples, which now are geographically and politically two sovereign republics, but historically one single Bolivarian nation reunited. That is an incredible development. They are saying that Venezuela and Colombia are one unit, united nation that's Bolivarian, following in the revolutionary anti-imperialist footsteps of Simón Bolívar. Even though they are geographically and politically distinct republics, they are one Bolivarian nation. This is a huge rejection of not only U.S. imperialism, but going back to Spanish colonialism. Acknowledging that they that this region is should be united. And it was the Spanish colonialists, the European conquistadors, that divided the region. Now, in my article, I pointed out that really one of the only other examples I can think of this kind of revolutionary unity in recent history is going back to 1958, when the revolutionary leftist president of Egypt, Gamal Abdel Nasser, he signed an agreement with Syria in 1958, creating what they called the Unified Arab Republic. So in many ways, I think that, although they're obviously from very different circumstances, we can compare this meeting between Maduro and Petro to this meeting in 1958 between the, the Egyptian leader, Nasser, and the Syrian president, Shukri al-Kuatli. 
So this is extremely historic. I just want to emphasize that point again. Now, what else did this joint declaration discuss? It also talked about the importance of increasing cooperation in trade, in transport, and in agricultural production. And it even proposed coordinating mining and exploration efforts, which is really incredible. Of course, many people know that Venezuela has the world's largest oil reserves, but Colombia also has very large oil and coal reserves. In fact, about half of Colombia's exports are oil and coal. So, of course, the Colombian government is trying to wean off of that and trying to find new forms of, of economic production and agricultural expansion. So it's not simply dependent on fossil fuels and also to try to save the environment, of course, which is something that Gustavo Petro has really highly prioritized. In fact, I have a separate episode that I'll link to below in which Petro uh, spoke at the United Nations General Assembly and I translated this incredible speech he gave about the importance of creating an alternative system to capitalism, which is destroying the planet, destroying the environment. But anyway, in the meantime, Colombia and Venezuela, because they're relatively poor, underdeveloped, formerly colonized countries, they're trying to develop their countries, they, they still need these fossil fuels and they still need their natural resources to grow the economy and to fight poverty and, and fund social programs. And they proposed cooperating, working together in mining and exploration efforts. So this, this is a, a, a pretty incredible development. Now, also in a statement uh, that, that Petro's office made about the meeting, he used very interesting language. He said, the goal of the meeting was to kickstart the economy of the region and socialize its agenda in the favor of the interests of the Latin American bloc and the protection of the Amazon. So a few things there. He's talking about the importance of the Latin American bloc. So seeing Latin America as a region that needs to be unified and integrated. And he calls for socializing the economic agenda in the region. That's acting on behalf of the people, of course. That's an important word he uses. And also, of course, protecting the Amazon to fight climate change. Now, before I conclude here, I just want to emphasize again how extremely important this this uh, 180 that Petro has done is considering the role of Colombia in the U.S.-led coup attempt against Venezuela. Back in 2019, in February, the Donald Trump administration recognized this little-known right-wing politician, Juan Guaido, as fake president of Venezuela. He never did then, and he never has participated in a presidential election, whereas Maduro, who was actually elected with millions of votes, has won two different elections. So, what happened is, immediately after recognizing Guaido, the U.S. government pressured Colombia. It was coordinating with Colombia, which at that time was run by the right-wing leader, Ivan Duque, who was a complete U.S. puppet. And he immediately recognized Guaido following U.S. orders. And, but not only that, I mean, that's important to keep in mind, that, that Colombia recognized Guaido as the fake president of Venezuela until a few months ago until uh, August. It wasn't until August 7th that Petro officially was inaugurated and became president. Before then, technically, Colombia did not have formal diplomatic relations with Venezuela for over three years, and it recognized this U.S. puppet Guaido as fake president. But it's not just that. I mean, that's, of course, important. 
But Colombia also played a key role in U.S.-backed terror attacks targeting Venezuela. And the northern part of Colombia was used for camps to train far-right extremists who were making plans to invade Venezuela. And that's exactly what happened in May 2020 in this, bailed, this uh, failed botched operation called Operation Gideon. And the, the Colombian intelligence agencies were deeply involved in training these terrorists to invade Venezuela. And there were two U.S. Army Green Berets, ex-Green Berets, U.S. Army Special Operations Forces, who helped lead this failed invasion. And they had the support of the Trump administration and the CIA, according to people involved in planning the operation. They admitted that the U.S. and Colombia were involved in sponsoring that. And it's not just from them. We also know, as I have a separate video explaining and podcast explaining, John Bolton himself admitted the role of the, the Trump administration in planning a coup, the coup attempt and the failed invasion of Venezuela. And I have a very lengthy report about that. I will also link to that in the description below for people who want to get more information about the U.S. coup attempt against Venezuela. But once again, that is not all. We also know from a memoir that was written by Trump's former defense secretary, Mark Esper, who is himself a former Raytheon vice president and lobbyist for the military industrial complex, the weapons industry. He wrote a book and he also revealed that the Trump administration, Trump himself and top U.S. officials repeatedly discussed plans to launch military attacks on Venezuela to organize uh, invasions by special operations forces, training and arming terrorists to attack, to launch cross-border attacks on Venezuela, and also cyber warfare. And I, I read through his book, which is called A Sacred Oath, Memoirs of a Secretary of Defense During Extraordinary Times. It's a pretty awful, nauseating book. But in that book, he mentions that in February 2020, 2020 uh, Guaido visited Washington and he met with Trump in the Oval Office. And after that meeting, Defense Secretary Mark Esper, he d discussed with Guaido and with other coup plotters plans to train terrorists in northern Colombia to launch an attempted invasion of Venezuela. And what, what Esper wrote in the book is that that they were discussing this, and Esper t said to Guaido, he said, would your people really be willing to organize, train, and fight? And Guaido said, yes, they would. So this is a clear example of them planning, discussing the, the early plans for this botched invasion in May 2020, which was you know jokingly called Bay of Piglets. And it's kind of funny because they failed so bad, largely because one, Venezuelan intelligence had infiltrated them and knew about their plans, and two, because a, a union of a, a labor union of socialist uh, um, fishermen in Venezuela who support Chavismo, the leftist Chavismo movement in the Bolivarian Revolution, uh, socialist fishermen in Venezuela, they saw the Colombian and uh, U.S. backed terrorist invaders attacking. They were coming in in the water and they notified the Venezuelan authorities. So they were caught. So. This is a clear example of a U.S.-backed terror plot to try to violently overthrow the democratically elected government of Venezuela. And by the way, this was all done by the Trump administration. So when you see these right-wing frauds claiming that Trump was like anti-interventionist, supposedly, 
and anti-war. I mean, he escalated the war in Yemen. He refused to end the war in Afghanistan. He militarily occupied Syria and said we're stealing their oil. He murdered the second in command of the Iranian government, Qasem Soleimani, basically almost starting a war with, with uh, Iran. Trump, his administration unilaterally withdrew from the Internet Immediate Range Nuclear Forces Treaty, which pushed for uh, Ukraine to potentially have nuclear weapons. And he sold weapons to Ukraine that even Obama, who was himself a warmonger, refused to sell. So, and of course, Trump repeatedly wanted to invade Venezuela and he backed this failed, this botched invasion of Venezuela. And again, what is the point that I'm getting at? Colombia was the beachhead. Literally, it was the physical beachhead, northern Colombia, used by these U.S.-backed, CIA-backed terrorists to launch the, the failed invasion of Venezuela, to launch terrorist attacks in Venezuelan territory. So the fact that Colombia, just as recently as August 6th, of 2022, still recognized Guaido as fake president and had no formal diplomatic relations with Venezuela. And then a few months later, as of November 1st, not only did Petro reopen the border with Venezuela on September 26th, not only did he recognize that Maduro is the real president, not only did he reestablish commercial ties and trade between the two countries, which is very important, especially in a moment of economic crisis, but he visited Caracas, and he signed a joint agreement in front of a portrait of Simón Bolívar and said, we are the same people and we are unified as a Bolivarian nation. That is truly historic. That, that is incredible. It is, it is revolutionary. And that's why I wanted to spend so much time today talking about this historic development because, of, again, if you follow English language media, you're probably not going to know what's happening. But Latin America is really the vanguard in the world right now in the struggle against imperialism and capitalism. And, you know, most countries in Latin America right now have left-wing governments. Some of them are revolutionary and openly anti-imperialist, and they are unifying as a region. I talk a lot about a multipolar world. Well, Latin America and the Caribbean are one of the poles in this multipolar world. It's not just the U.S. and China and Russia and Iran. Latin America and the Caribbean are unifying with institutions like the Community of Latin American and Caribbean States, CELAC, like the UNASUR, which is the Union of South American Republics. They are unifying also economically with things like the Bolivarian Alliance, the ALBA, and the new president-elect of, of Brazil, Lula da Silva, has called for creating a pan-Latin American currency that he wants to call the SUR, which means South, in order to end the region's dependency on the U.S. dollar. Latin America is showing the world how to resist imperialism and and it's extremely important to understand what's happening with these historic developments. Here at Multipolarista, this is what I do. If you want to support this work, you can go to patreon.com slash multipolarista. I have no institutional support. Just, you know, I mean, it's a completely independent media outlet that I run. And I will continue doing journalism like this. So please subscribe and keep watching and listening. And I'll see you next time.